We're doing it. We're doing it. Sunday Girl Club <laughs> podcast. Hello, everyone. My name's Abby. My name's Millie. <laughs> and we are um, the Sunday Girl Club team. Well, half of the Sunday half Girl Club team, yeah. and half of the Sunday Girl magazine team. I am the founding editor and I am the deputy editor. We really have this gorgeous community of people and I think it's about time we jumped on and had a good old chat with you all. We have a lovely community on social media and we recently did an interview with BBC Radio Tees, didn't we? Yeah. And the amount of people who said, you guys need to start a podcast. Well, here we are. We're, We're doing, doing it. it. <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to tell the listeners how the mag actually started as the founding editor i think you need to tell its birth story <laughs> i mean how many times has everyone heard the story now <laughs> but i'll tell it it started as a university project in my final year at university I had to make a magazine that was to be submitted and i made sunday girl i was looking for sort of a niche i really loved fashion as a youngster and as a teen and i loved magazines you did as well didn't you we yeah. have a magazine girlies but i didn't feel that there was a magazine really out there for me. I felt like I didn't want to read about diet tips. I didn't want to read about sex tips. I didn't want to see all of the adverts that you constantly saw in these glossies. I felt like when I went to the news agents, everything was trying to grab my attention. That horrible red ring that people used to put around cellulite and stuff. That wasn't me and I didn't like that. And I didn't really find anything as a 16 to 25 year old that resonated with me and what I wanted to read about. And so I started the magazine at university in my final year as a magazine project and then took it on from there. I took boxes to, to shops um, and said, do you want to do sale or return for this new magazine? And it sort of picked up from there. And then we got a distributor who distributed it to all over the UK. It went into Selfridges, all over the UK and WH Smiths. And it went really well. And then COVID hit in 2020 and I really lost my creative flow, my creative mojo. And this was before I'd even met you, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd been a long-term reader anyway, because that's how I got my first copy of Sunday Girl in my local WH Smith. And my mum would get them for me every Christmas. Uh, so my mum is probably number one supporter before me. Yes, <laughs> um, you joined um, around issue nine, didn't you? When we yeah. launched issue nine and Millie came onto the team and it was just like a match made in heaven from the get-go, wasn't it? Literally, I think the first time we met, I just knew this was going to be something special. Yeah. I think it's because we were growing up. I yeah. started reading it before I went to university, so mm. how old was I? Maybe like 17 years old. Yeah. I'm now 26, so nearly 10 years later. And as we've grown up and gone from teenagers into women, mm. like it has changed the direction of the magazine yeah. as well. It has gone a bit more mature um, and our readers have grown up with us. And now we're here doing a podcast, like after 11 issues, we've got banging networking events happening and we're, we're always meeting great people. We've got our gorgeous Livia who's joined the team and now we've met our wonderful producer Charlotte as well. Yeah, So it's just gone from strength to strength really, it is. isn't it? Today's guest is the gorgeous Laura Whitmore. Can you believe it? Ah, 
<laughs> she's that issue 11 cover girl which is also a pinch me moment if you haven't seen that photo shoot it is absolutely gorgeous she's on our cover and laura is an absolute industry professional she's been in it for the past 15 years on our tv screens she's been absolutely fantastic so today we're going to be talking to laura about imposter syndrome yeah we talk about this a lot don't we we talk about it a lot <laughs> Probably once a week. We feel it all of the time. Yes. It's great to be feeling that because then at least you feel like you're doing something to warrant the imposter syndrome. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But we say the same advice to each other all the time. We're constantly going in circles and backwards and forwards saying, no, you should be doing that. You're doing the right thing. Why? Why are you saying that? You've been absolutely ridiculous, but we all have it and we all feel it. We do. Yeah. I mean... I had it real bad. I mean, I told a little story on the um, Instagram stories a couple of weeks ago about when I met Aurora. I interviewed her for issue two or issue three and um, invited her to a photo shoot that we did at St Pancras. I was only 21 at the time and I looked like a baby. (laughs) And I wasn't very confident at all in myself. I didn't hold myself how I do now. Anyway, I went to go and meet her in her PR in front of St Pancras Clock Tower. And I was like... Hi, I'm Effie. And they were like, are you an intern? And I was like, no, I'm the editor. And I just thought, oh, I've absolutely screwed this up here. I should have gone in like, hey, I'm the magazine editor, Sunday Girl. But straight away, I made myself feel inferior and that was my problem. And I probably shouldn't have done that. And they wouldn't have thought that unless I'd gone in feeling like that. Do you know what, do you know what I mean? Yeah, unless, you, unless you presented yourself like this big time magazine editor I thought what the heck am I doing here interviewing this big star hiring up St Pancras Clock Tower when I don't actually know what I'm doing and I'm still living in with my mum and dad um but I did want to be there and and it's these experiences that have made me what I am today and made the magazine what I am today can you tell us any experiences that you've had really my imposter syndrome it's came later in life when I was at uni and when I finished uni, I felt like I was on top of the world. I felt like no one could stop me. I kind of just kept going and going on this, the the high from finishing university and I loved it. And it's really probably in the last two years, as I've got older and as I've been changing jobs and getting into new jobs and asking difficult questions, you know, about money or yeah. about um, hours or anything like that, I really have to kind of justify to myself that I deserve it which is you know imposter syndrome I still don't think I should I just feel like god I, I need to do all of this and I don't have time for it and should I be making time for that is it okay to do that when really when I was at uni I was literally like unstoppable I did what I want thought I'm going to carry this on I'm going to go to London um all this sort of stuff I was so confident and then I think as I've got a little bit older I've just felt a bit like god am I, am I doing the right thing I'm in my mid-20s now like I'm having that little weird yeah mid-20s vibe hello hey. Hey. <laughs> thank you so much for doing it for us no worries congratulations on everything it sounds like it's all going really well and the launch looked uh, really fun Oh, yeah, it was. It was so much fun, wasn't it? We yeah. just had the best time. Yeah. And we've got the magazine in um, right there. And I'm so excited. Yay. And it's going in shops soon as well. So we'll be able to go and actually purchase it oh, in the big so shop. Nice. And also, so nice to hear that because so much with print magazine, it's the other way around. So to actually hear like one going into shops, because normally it's the yeah. other way around. So it's it's really, it's really nice for magazines. So yeah. Here. 
Oh, thank you. And I think that's definitely the Lara Whitmore effect. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know about that. But honestly, I know I said it, I said it to you, but like we had so much fun in that shoot. Like the guys were brilliant. Chris is brilliant. He's fab. Yeah, we love Chris. so good. So we're going to talk a little bit first about imposter syndrome. Yeah. What is your experience of imposter syndrome? Do you get it quite a lot or? Yeah, it, it's something that I actually didn't really know the terminology of it when I was experiencing it. Like it's something I think I've always had. I think most people, even if they don't realize they have it, from even you know going into school, primary school, into secondary school, that kind of feeling of like, I don't fit into groups. And maybe it's just a human trait. I mean, if anyone doesn't have it, I'd love to be you. So it's actually quite nice knowing that it's a, it is a phenomenon. It's called imposter syndrome and it's really common. And I constantly have it, like always. I don't think it ever goes away. Just feeling like you're out of your depth or you're chancing your arm. Like, I, you know, some jobs I do, I'm like, why am I here? How have they let me in here? Even like starting the new Sunday show and you see your name because normally I work on shows and it's not my name in the show. And I'm like, oh, I see my name here. Like, I should belong here because it has my name in it. But then you still are like, this could go at any second. Or someone could turn around and say, you shouldn't be here. And I actually did a bit of research in it because I mentioned it in my book. And then I realized, like, I was like, where did this come from? Like, as a, as a term. And it was coined in the 70s by this woman. Um, and it was to do more with um, women in uh, financial, like, high finance jobs in the city because they were so far and few uh, between and they were surrounded by men probably talking about golf and things like that. And they feel like so out of their depth and things like that they shouldn't belong there. So she kind of coined this. And then I guess as times progress, um, it's, you know, men can also have imposter syndrome, but it's just, it came from this concept of women in these high powered jobs that who belong there, who had to work extra hard to get there, but mm -hmm. feeling that they didn't fit in for some reason. I welcome it in some ways because I guess it makes me constantly work harder and not get too cozy. But I think I would like to be able to enjoy myself a little bit more. I think sometimes we get overstressed too much. So I would like to maybe not have it as much. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like getting the balance between thinking, gosh, I'm I'm stretching myself, I'm doing a great job. Yeah. And I'm feeling like, oh, is this meant to be happening to me? Um, but then feeling comfortable with it as well. It's it's so difficult. Yeah. And you said there that, you know, it mainly happens to women. I actually really like feel that is the case. Yeah. So, I mean, we talk about it all the time as a team. Yeah, we? we were just talking about it, how our experiences differed because you've Abby felt it quite um, young in life when she was say, just turned 21, but um, I'm 26 now and I feel like I felt invincible at that age and yeah. it's kind of crept in as I've got a little bit older. So which way around do you think it was for you? I think it can kind of sometimes happen in different ways. Maybe there's a thing of when you're younger, you're, I feel when I got my first telly job when I was 23 and I won a competition to be an MTV presenter which was just I entered a competition and I won it and I moved to London yeah. and I think maybe there was and in a good way a naivety and an enthusiasm where I didn't think too much oh how difficult is it to move to a new city and how expensive London is yeah <laughs> so expensive you know I, I had a year contract with MTV which was lovely and on paper great but it probably didn't pay as well as any tele, tele job because I had no experience so you know we de I definitely I was in a house share with lots of other people but I think I was so excited by it all I didn't really overthink it too much and I think in hindsight I look back now and I'm like oh my god Jesus like <laughs> like you know now now you kind of realize all the risks that was involved but at the time I didn't realize the risk which is probably yeah. a good thing because I mightn't have done it I think it's both to kind of answer because in some ways I'm a little bit more aware of risks 
sometimes and maybe that's as well as you get older and you've got a family you've got you're not just thinking about yourself because it was just me and as you get older like there's other people that are involved so, so they come into it as well um but then also when you get older you don't give a shit as much about like what people think of you which is lovely because i think i cared more about what people thought of me when i was younger so that was a different kind of imposter syndrome because you're too busy thinking about do they think i don't belong so it's not even do i feel like i belong it's like yes. do they think i don't belong and I think that can change because you don't really care as much because you know yourself more. And I think that's a good thing about getting older as well. I definitely feel stronger in that. Not that like, I mean, other, other people's opinions definitely matter, but I just care less. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that you've just said that. I felt that so much. And since I've sort of, I mean, I'm, I'm nearly 30 and I can't wait to turn 30 and think, you know, I'm a woman, I'm deserving of being here. I'm confident in myself and I'm grown and I'm mature. And I felt like through my twenties, I was doing all these, these different things that were scary. And I thought they think I'm not supposed to be here, but if that all lifted, it probably would have been such a different experience for me. I don't know. I'm, I was so conscious about what people thought of me. Um, and it's so different now. I think that I'm deserving of good things to happen so yeah I love that you've just said that what do you think about yeah. that and you are a soft girl and it's a bit of a hindrance sometimes because I literally I meet people and I feel like I connect with people really really quickly and I'm like we're gonna be best friends forever and then I'm like oh all these different like opportunities I've said and I've committed myself to lots of different things and I'm so busy all the time and I'm like oh I'm I'm so nice I just let myself get ahead of it um have you heard of the soft girl approach before tell me about the soft girl approach I'm really intrigued by this because <laughs> being called soft is like a negative but tell me about the soft girl yeah yeah so I think a soft a soft girl is a positive yeah. description for someone yeah. so in issue one I did an article it was called the art of being a nice girl I was the one who sort of sat back and observed and it was really nice to people and I feel like it did me well um yeah. because being nice to people always leaves people with a positive view of you and the door is always left open and yeah. you know like you said in your article work hard and be nice to people is such an important thing and uh, I mean it's a big thing on TikTok soft girl approach isn't it yeah I think a lot of people say obviously being nice gets you nowhere but we really do think being nice gets you somewhere because it's it's got us exactly where we are with the magazine and yeah. everything so and also people want to work with like for both of you like yeah Millie as well like people just like we just want to be around nice people but I do yeah. I actually was, it's so funny that we're talking about this now because I was um talking to a therapist that I use sometimes especially when I'm trying to juggle work and everything and sometimes I feel I had this thing of like are you being too nice because you don't want to be walked over like walked over by sometimes saying yes to everything or there's a difference between being a soft girl and just doing what others want you to do and it's like yes. kind of getting that right because sometimes I hate letting people down and sometimes to my detriment that I end up like spreading myself too thinly because I'll say yes to everything and then I'm like I can't like what you were saying Abigail, like you, I, I say yes to everything and then you then you're no use to anyone because you've taken on too much so it's you could it's kind of balancing that in, in some degree but what you said like I've worked in this industry for like 14 15 years now it's since when I won that MTV competition and like some of the people I met the first day at MTV are, are still my like closest friends today. And we work in other circles because the people who were work experienced and runners when I was doing my first 
telly job are now my producers on other networks and yeah. we all just want to work with nice people and I always like it's always lovely when someone turns around and like like recently I've I've been up for this job because someone's like I really like working with Laura she's like easy to work with and professional and and, and does and 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 fun and it's like someone said that. I was like oh someone actually said that it's so nice when someone says it in writing but then there's also an element where I feel in the past I've definitely I've learned to stand up for myself if I'm not happy about something and it's that balance you can still be a nice girl and a soft girl but also know when to say no to something and it's getting that balance right yeah yeah it's like a full devil wears prada film yes. like, are you Anne Hathaway or are yes. you Miranda Priestly? kind of be a bit of both you know yeah. and Anne in the end she had bites you know she was she, she was able to yeah she did. I love Anne Hathaway at the end of that film. Yeah. You know, she like, threw the phone into the, the fountain. She's like, right. see you later, Miranda. <laughs> yeah, I find it really difficult to say no to people and also to to stand my ground because I feel like I, I'm such a people pleaser. And it's happened recently where I was put in a position where I was going to be the one not getting the better side of the deal. And I had to say face to face, I'm not happy about that. And it took me a good five minutes of, of being like, okay, then, okay, okay. And then I had to think, Abby, this is your moment to say no and stand up for yourself. And it just has to happen a couple of times. And then you sort of, you think it's okay to say no. Yeah. yeah. How did yeah. you feel after you said no? Like, how did you, did you feel anxious or like after you kind of said it? I felt really anxious at first. And then after the conversation and I, and I left, I thought, if I hadn't done that right now, I'd be feeling so much worse because I'd got the bum end of that deal. Yeah. Um. So I'm I'm really glad that I stood up for myself, and I yeah. I hope that happens in future. That's a lesson learned right there for me. Yeah. And constantly, you constantly, no matter what age, whether you like you hit your thirties and then or your forties or your fifties, and like as you go on and on, we're still constantly, you know, learning things about ourselves and learning what's mm. right and what's not right, and. Yeah, I've done those things before because I think when you start out in this industry, you kind of say yes to everything because you have yeah. to. And then you kind of gain a momentum and, you know, even probably with the magazine as well. Like when you're first starting with the first issue compared to like this issue, like there's different, you kind of get a little bit more power in the type of articles that you can write and the type of shoots that you want to do. And, I, and there's something lovely in that too, because I feel like as you gain your power, you can choose when to say no, but maybe at the start it's hard to say no, but then you get to a stage where like, actually now I can say no to stuff, but I can also make it better for other people as well and and change the landscape, whether it's to like making magazines. And that's exciting too, to understand the power you have, because you probably didn't realize that you can actually be powerful in that room by saying no. And we struggle with that, don't we still with, so many people submit pieces for the magazine and I know that must be hard because you can't so hard. like yeah yeah and and you feel like you're their step into the industry or you're there going to be their first article on their cv that might get them somewhere and you think if I I say no or I don't like what they've written I'm such a horrible person but it's we want this we will make them better because then they'll go around and they'll make a, if they take that on board if it's not good enough they'll come back and they'll write something better rather than like it's cutthroat out there they can, you know you can't get into this by writing something mediocre you kind of have to so yeah. actually it's probably better in the long run but it's still it's oh my god it's still oh. <laughs> I, do you know I remember years ago so I won a competition called pick me MTV and about three years into working in MTV, maybe two or three years, I got sent to New Zealand to be a judge, a guest judge on Pick Me MTV New Zealand. So oh. I got to be a judge for people presenting. 
And it was so hard because I know what it feels like to even to stand in front of people in front of a camera is terrifying the first time you do it. So I found that really hard. So it's probably similar in New York, like reading other people's work. I'm like, who am I to judge? Like, Yeah, I mean, we've been invited down to Graduate Fashion Week to judge graduate magazines in a couple of weeks. Yeah. What are we going to be like? <laughs> I was like, you're, you're great, you're great, you're great. great. <laughs> I told you that imposter syndrome, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, you're great, you're great, you're great. Yeah. You realise, you, you know, you put together like a really successful magazine, like you know more than you think you know. And I'm the same, but like when I was presenting, like, oh, I won that competition and I've been doing this for three years. I had a year's contract and I'm still doing it. So I do have authority to be here. So I actually do have the experience. You just have to keep reminding yourself that you do have an opinion that's valid. Yeah, it's like we get that, um, we call it Sunday Scaries, don't we? Like the night before you do something, like the night before the podcast, uh, we I was tossing and turning a bit. Yeah. And oh. Even on a normal Sunday night before you go to work, I mean, I know you yeah. work all your Sunday on, nights. On a Sunday. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> whichever your Sunday no, I never get it. I never get like a Sunday night, because I, I work a lot weekends and I just work because I'm freelance. I end up working like pretty much every day, but I might have like a Monday off or a Tuesday off. Yeah, um, that's nice. So it's weird, but then I, I might get the anxiety on, on a Friday night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. I mean, your week's obviously different to ours, but how do you reset for your week? So is there a point where you think, right, let's let's either get a notebook out and, and make notes or, you know, have a bath and think about things? Like, what do you do to do that? I'm still trying to work out the, the things that help me. Uh, like as a I've got a two-year-old so like that kind of really <laughs> ground you in some ways because my week although it, it can be spontaneous in a way and that like so later today I'm meant to be going for a fitting for a job I'm doing at the weekend but the clothes didn't arrive so that I just found out late last night it's going to be on Thursday but then I'm filming all day tomorrow and then I, I fly to Ireland on Friday and then I'm back to London Saturday, and it's been changing around so much that I'm sometimes I look at the diary I'm like how am I going to make this work but then I have this consistency of this toddler that needs love and attention and care like constantly so that has to be my main priority and in a way that has kind of helped me with a routine it should it also adds a lot more stress but it has kind of helped me in many ways but then bedtime for her is the same time every night and as soon as bedtime happens then it's Laura time so <laughs> I'm not if I'm not working I have a DJ job tonight but if I'm not working it's the bath it's the bath yeah. or it's a book or it's a light a candle or like I feel like smells can be quite triggering like in a good way that if you put on like a lavender or some sort of certain scents I have from different brands that I'm like if I like that candle that will really chill me out or that one can be quite stimulating um or like Epsom salts in the bath or just little little things like that me and my husband at the moment we're like torn between different shows that we watch, but if we love selling sunset and that's our like, we do not want to think about anything for half an hour. <laughs> just put it on. And then other times we put on like a psychological thriller or a true crime. So it's just finding those little things that can be in your routine that aren't too hard to do or going for a walk, walking the dog, like little things like that would just be, okay, get away from your phone. When you talked then about scents, I have a scent that I wore for my wedding day uh, mm. last year. And sometimes, I mean, I don't ever want to use it up, but sometimes I just spray it and it takes me straight back in a way I feel calm and supported. And when you said about scents there, that absolutely resonates with me completely. You mentioned there about motherhood. We've actually yeah. had a question from a couple of followers on Instagram. And one of them is about motherhood. I'm always really apprehensive to give too much advice on motherhood because I feel like it's such a personal journey. Yeah. And from my own experiences, 
everyone had an opinion. Like I was walking down the street and someone would tell me about what type of childbirth or type of birth I should have. Like, oh, you should, definitely, you should definitely do this and you should definitely do that and you shouldn't do this. And I, I was just like, so even now when like my really good friends tell me they're pregnant, I'm like, I'm here if you want advice, just ask. But I'm very wary of like giving it. Yes. <laughs> if it's not asked for because... There's a lot of opinions online. There's a lot of opinions, even in like friends and family, you know, even within our family, everyone will have an opinion. So the lessons I've learned is like not to listen to people unless you want to. Um, yeah. And don't, don't listen to advice of someone um, that you wouldn't want to follow. <laughs> you know, sometimes you're, you're like, oh, they told me I should do this, but I actually don't really want to live that way. Like each to their own. So it's kind of to ask for ask for advice when you need it. Listen to yourself. And also it's such a personal experience and there's that balance as well of like, I had that of like, how much do you share? How much do you not share? And there's no right or wrong answer. I've been quite private with it because that's how I like to keep it. But I've got other friends who like put everything up online and like, that's fine too. So there's no right or wrong way of motherhood. It's just finding what works for you. There's so much white noise that you can just shut it off and and be in your be in your little bubble and you're if you're lucky enough to have family around you or your parents still around like you kind of forget that like like my mom had a child like I forgot that like I, you know sometimes when you have a child I'm like oh she's done this I forgot you've done this because I'm here so yeah it's kind of using those people in your in your circle of trust if you're yeah, looking I love that just quite a fun one really yeah. favorite ever fashion moment because <gasps> we love, we love so Ella, I'm so lucky. I get to wear such nice clothes. There's been a few. I guess if you kind of go back to, like, even when I first started, like, when I first started on MTV, I had no clue what I was doing. There was no hair and makeup or budgets for clothes. This is not my finest, but I just, just to give you an example, I remember I was working at the MTV York Music Awards. They were in Liverpool in 2000 and a million years ago. I can't even remember when it was. <laughs> 2009, probably. It was, like, my first big red carpet. And I just borrowed, I'd no, I'd, I'd like a minimum clothes. And I was just in this house share. And one of my friends who I went to university with, and she was living in London at the time working for an ad agency. I just went over to her, her house and I borrowed this like top shop dress that she had that I, like I couldn't afford or I didn't even have any other clothes, something I hadn't worn before. And actually that's the ultimate sustainability, borrowing clothes. Yes. So and I was over, for, I was going to Liverpool for a week and every day I was like hosting these segment pieces for MTV Europe. So I just went with a, a bag and just put like all her wardrobe. <laughs> and I had this brand new wardrobe never seen before on telly. So that was, I'm kind of proud for that because I'm like, mm -hmm. that's using um, good initiative there. Um, but then the, the it's, it's funny because then the more you kind of get known and the better you do, then designers lend you stuff. Mm -hmm. I was like, I could have done with your help a few years ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, so there's been there's been quite a few um, like getting to go to the BAFTAs and being on the red carpet there. I've worn some brilliant dresses. I wore this green dress that was actually made for me, so it fitted perfectly. It was by Suzanne Neville. Um, it fitted oh. perfectly. And then there's a a great designer, Theodore Golan. Um, they have they've individual uh, labels now, and they gave me this yellow little dress for the L Style Awards. Like I was like a little chicken, but like in a cute way. Um, <laughs> And they're like, um, I remember seeing them in Fashion Week and and following them. And then I ended up walking for um, a friend of mine, Bora Aksu, during Fashion Week. And I, it was so mad to, to go from that girl who was borrowing her friend's clothes in a suitcase to then having designers give you clothes. And, and even like at the um, BAFTAs this year, uh, I wore this 
really gorgeous. I have a stylist now, like it's mad. And this, I, I, I'm very, I know what I like clothes wise, but Emma is brilliant. Like as, as I worked with for this shoot, like Emma just knows what I like now because we've been together for so many years. So it's kind of, we really are able to kind of work together. And it's a meeting of minds. Um, yes, we wore this, I wore this lovely Galvin dress. And you know what? The Love Island suit, the red suit with the heart. Oh, like, oh, oh, for me, it was my way of doing Love Island because I was like, I want to do it in a suit, you know? Yes. Oh, um, I love that. It was and, iconic. And you had the Mary Benson as well. Oh, and, Mary, and I wore, wore Mary um, for Love Island as well. Uh, I wore her. I actually have quite a few of her dresses, but there's a... Um, a orange and yellow pink kind of short one with a little sleeve she does that gorgeous those yes. iconic pieces with her shoulders which i think are very merry so yeah and i love i love that as well and especially love independent brands to be able to support them as much as possible name one fashion moment and like half an hour later i also wore fashion awards last year i wore uh, a guy, Graham Cruz, who's Irish, who I worked with years ago, and he makes these bodysuits, and he did one for Beyonce, and I wore one of his that fits, and I wore a pair of trousers. I'm just so lucky now, I just, and I love having fun with it. I think this is so much fun. Yeah, you have such great style. Like when we look, when we saw the the balaclava moment on the cover, we thought, I was that like, so fun. You know what? Do you know what's really weird? Because in my the reference I had in my head when I saw that, I was like, Emma, can I put this hat on? I was like, Emma, I know this sounds mad, but can I wear this hat with this suit? Um, and it's really weird because I think the picture is in the magazine. Like brilliant Vivian Westwood um sadly passed away. I think you've got a picture. There's a really iconic picture of her with this like kind of hat thing on her. Yes. Um, in the magazine because I remember flipping it is, it is in the magazine. <laughs> so weird because that's the reference I had of the the look which is weird. Great minds. Oh, I love it. Really, yeah. we just want to know about anything upcoming that you've got. Anything you want to share with us? Any little secrets, projects Ooh. you want to? Yeah, well, I'm really excited because th this, I did obviously the magazine Sunday Girl kind of talking about the launch of the telly show. And I had a Sunday radio show for so long and then kind of got to do the dream of kind of bringing it to, to TV. And I'm over halfway through this series, um, which I've loved. And it's like a summer series. So I really hope that we get to do it next year. I've got a doc series that's coming out in July. I don't even know if I've told people it's July, but it's coming out in July, which is soon. So that's been quite intense because this it's very different to a lot of the shows I've worked on before. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of going back to my journalistic roots um, and some topics that I think are really important. Everything from cyber stalking to rough sex to incels. So that's been a huge learning curve. Again, like quite exhausting as well emotionally yeah. to go through that, but it's something that I feel really proud to be a part of. So that's exciting. And then actually this next week or at the end of this week at some point i'm filming a little acting thing because I, I went and did a play for a few months um and i'm very much wanting to kind of still keep my toe in that so i'm doing something for a series that will be on channel four i'm filming that so yeah it's good it's the juggle and then i'll be having a bath at some stage just <laughs> and some salt yeah get some salt in there Oh, amazing. I'm so excited to watch the documentary series. That is going to be incredible. Yeah. Thank you so much. I've absolutely loved it. This has been a pinch me moment for us. Yeah. One to add to the list. Honestly, you girls are absolutely rocking it, like killing it. So congrats. Oh, thank you.